this week's episode of the Starting Lemon Podcast, we're talking about the first leg results of the Champions League, Salah's wonder strike against Chelsea, and what's best for Spurs for their doubleheader against Manchester City. All that and more coming up right here on the Starting Lemon Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Starting Eleven podcast. I am your host, Chengiz Khan, once again filling in for Justin Barrow, who described himself as physically and emotionally drained. Although we know the we know the truth, he still hasn't recovered from his farming accident, and it was quite tragic how that happened. But we won't, we won't get into it too much. Justin should be back next week once the healthcare and the uh, the Gatorade kicks in, because I believe that's 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 what they're treating him with, right? Gatorade. Yeah, Gatorade, Gatorade and Advil. Gatorade and Advil. That's the most uh, effective thing I've found. Yeah, 12 at a time, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. you're supposed to, whole bottle. You're supposed yeah. to take the whole bottle and go. Like you're, supposed to eat the, you're supposed to eat the bottle. That's the slow release. Yeah. Eat take, the take two of these and then call me in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I just, uh, yeah, I should try eating the bottle next time. Oh, mm. it's, yeah, it's proven method. Anti-vaxxers <laughs> use it all the time. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, glad, glad to know there are people out there that do do that. Anyways, uh, with me today is the effervescent Andre McRae. Gorgeous podcast for the beautiful game, ladies and gentlemen. And Peter Robinson. Support local football. Would you support anything else, really? And before we begin this podcast, there's two things to note. First of all, there is going to be a little bit of format change moving forward with this podcast. We are going to be splitting the Starting Eleven podcast into two. One episode purely dedicated to the world of football in and around our favorite EPL teams. So for myself, Justin, Peter and Andre, that is Liverpool, Spurs, Manchester United and Arsenal respectively. So expect another show coming up after this that will talk exclusively TFC. We figured this new format should give us a lot more time and a lot more freedom to really dive deep into these teams and talk about them at length to a level at which we would we would have liked to, but due to various time restraints that we put on ourselves, we perhaps weren't able to go as deep as we otherwise could have. And the second piece of news is um, a very important one. Did you know, in 1944... Oh, no. <laughs> The American government prohibited using dihydrogen monoxide due to its corrosive properties. The effects of this, these corrosive properties were wrinkling of the skin, eye irritation, and drowning. Wow. Yeah. What is someone, that? Someone is going to listen to that and go, oh my God, I have to avoid that. Yeah. I know someone's going to do that. If, if you are one of these people, dihydrogen monoxide is the uh, internet way of saying H2O, because dihydrogen, two H's, H2. Monoxide is single oxi- oxygen. The more you know, stay in school. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to avoid that at all times. That's why I prefer to put vegetables in my water and let them ferment. And this and is why so. Andre is still single, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's not, that's not the reason, but it definitely helps. So starting off today, uh, this is the EPL section of the Starting Eleven podcast, and we would, not be, we would not be doing the podcast justice if we did not at least talk about the Champions League midweek fixtures. So a little roundup of all the fixtures. Liverpool won 2-0 at home versus Porto. All of these first leg fixtures, by the way. Uh, Spurs had a brilliant win against City, 1-0 at home. Brilliant. United were... (laughs) (laughs) United were perhaps a little unfortunate to get away with a loss. Uh, 0-1 to Barcelona. They did play quite well on the night. We'll be talking about that too. And then we will talk to the best of our abilities about Ajax holding Juventus at home, setting up a very intriguing second leg. I would love for Ajax to be in the, the second leg. It Sorry, be, the semis. It would be amazing. And I'm, I know this is, you know, kind of a cop-out in the other teams, but it would just be good to see Portal move on and Ajax because those are two teams that you can kind of just sort of root for as the underdogs. Mm. And the way that the format runs, I believe that they wouldn't meet until the final, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, and that that would be quite the fairy tale, but let's be real. Porto have been sort of the the meme um, entry to the quarterfinals of every stage of the competition since Falcao left. So I don't really see them beating Liverpool, especially with the two 0 deficit. No. I expect them to give them a really good fight at their stadium at home in Portugal. I'm not expecting a, a walkthrough by any means. Liverpool played quite well in the night. They were never really they were never gone out of uh, fourth gear. I'd say 
They were very comfortable in possession, very comfortable in build-up. The goals were well taken. It, it looked very, very routine. It felt like we were, with, with all the, the most respect to Porto, it did feel like we were playing against a mid-table EPL side. And that's the game how it transpired. Now, there were one or two moments where we were a little bit shaky, but this is Liverpool. No game goes without a bit of shakiness. It, it did almost seem, though, like, I don't want to say that they parked the bus, but it did seem when they got the second goal that the the pressure like really kind of pushed and then by about the 40th minute it slowed down mm-hmm. Absolutely. almost like it was like a, okay well we haven't gotten another goal right away we things are getting a little dicey maybe let's just keep possession more and don't pull the you know go for goal kind of strategy i don't know just it just it, see, it seemed like everybody just kind of kicked her down a notch almost 100% um Klopp's strategy has changed for Liverpool Klopp's approach uh generally this season he's definitely lent more into game management if you're 2-0 up you don't really need to chase it that's a good lead for a second leg like ideally 3-0 but 2-0 is plenty especially with the defense that we have it's 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 easy enough to maintain. Now, whether or not we can hold on to it whilst we're in the second leg is another story, but we are we should be good for at least a goal. So no matter what, I think Porto will have to score four, right? If we score one, they'll have to score four. And I think that's what Klopp is trying to achieve here with the team. Yeah, that's that's a dangerous and bad situation for Porto. Like if they concede at home, that's that's it. They're done. Pretty much. Like you know, you're you're it's gonna be hard to get that with that level of defense, but and I think I'm I think I'm correct in saying that nobody has scored four against Liverpool this season. Well, so I don't think is. there yeah. it is. There it is. I've jinxed it. There we That's, go. That, it's, yeah. No, we're, we're, talking, we're gonna we're lose five. Nil. We're gonna lose five nil to five Iker Casillas penalties. Watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Liverpool is good enough defensively, so I feel like I feel like they'll go through comfortably. Did that hurt for you to say just there, Peter? It did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I will. I will. That's re- the second time. I will relieve your pain in a second. But let's talk about United versus Barcelona. They played well. I thought McTominay and the United defense were very, very good in shutting down Messi on the night. I think they were unlucky with the Luke Shaw on goal. Mm. But I mean, other than that, they they had a pretty good game. It was an it was an aggressive game. Like Barcelona got away with a lot. So I am I am shocked. I'm actually shocked that this score is only 1-0 because Barcelona was getting away with stuff that at a couple points I almost would have thought they'd been getting yellows or reds left, right, and center. Mm. They were they were challenging again and again and again. And it just, it was like, it was almost as if every time Messi walked by the ref, he was slipping him money because it was just so much that United was getting booked for that Barcelona was not. So it'll be interesting to see how United respond uh, in the away, away fixture tomorrow, actually. They play tomorrow. That's definitely going to be the game to watch. And, you know, because of that result, they stopped the slide now, but because of that result, I, I, I looked at the statistic, they'd lost four in their last five. And it felt like it was only like two minutes ago we were praising Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for like that 13-game unbeatable win streak and the, the reversal of fortunes and, and just how much United have progressed under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What happened? What's been happening? Do we know? I mean, Justin should be able to tell us, but I'm sure, you know, we've been watching the games too. What do you guys think? What's happened? Well, we have to think that United's team and the players in the team are still the exact same as what Jose Mourinho had. So there's still those those attitudes. There's still those almost, I hate to say it, but almost like an anti-United sentiment going throughout the, the club right now. Ole Gunnar can only do so much with players that he's been given. I think if you give him Is a, that a fair comment to say, though? Is that is that fair to say? Because he did get them to do a 13-game unbeaten win streak, which ranks among one of the longest this season, if not the longest. But I think this is his first time as manager that he's come under any scrutiny. He's he's forced or faced any sort of hardship. You know, they're not playing that well right now. Um, a couple unlucky bounces. And a few players that I think are frustrated and thinking about the transfer window come summer. Well, Pogba, from what I saw online, at least from some of the reports, Pogba's been giving him trouble, like almost to the level that it was kind of a, a Mourinho scenario because he was he was giving him a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulty. And I've heard, or at least I've read online, that it's kind of going back to the same thing. So I think there may be dressing room issues. I think maybe after, you know, you get to a first couple of losses and then all of a sudden people start questioning or saying this or saying something. And, and maybe because we don't, we don't really know we know how he is 
with the press. So he seems like a very relaxed kind of whatever guy. But I think maybe if it's kind of more of the, you know, I'm, I'm this, this is no longer relaxed. This is what I want you to do. Don't be, you know, going against me. I think it's kind of now almost bursting open because they don't seem to be. It's all, it, when I watched the game, it was almost like there was cliques. The defense were working well together, but they weren't working well with the forwards. Like in the midfields, like it was almost like nobody was was linking up beyond, you know, the the defense to the forwards to the mids, but they were working well within their own little, little cliques. Mm. Yeah, personally, I think that Paul Pogba is a problem. I think he does need to go um, for Ole Gunnar to actually have a voice in the change room because Pogba is the he's the popular kid in school. Let's put it that way. Um, everyone wants to be Pogba's friend. Everyone wants to uh, make. Pogba happy. So realistically, they're going to give him whatever he wants. Uh, they're going to try to side with him as opposed to siding to the, with the manager. And that's very, that's very anti-United. That's not what United's about. So to me, he needs to go, go somewhere else where maybe a manager doesn't have as much pull or the, the fans don't want a manager to have as much pull. Um, probably somewhere in, let's say, PSG. Back to Italy. Well, you yeah. keep. If you, I, think, I think if you keep, if you have the choice to keep one, you you go for Solskjaer every time, right? Yeah, of course. Because you know, he like he's the talismanic leader. He he has completely reversed United's fortunes. He has brought them to a respectable position in the table after what seemed like a season that was completely going off the rails. Now there may be some truth to the rumors, but I think there's a lot more truth in that. What you said, Peter, that this is an inherited squad. It's fair to say now that the honeymoon phase of Solskjaer's reign is well and truly over, both oh, yeah. from a sentiment pr- perspective and from a tactical perspective. I think what PSG showed and what uh, perhaps some of the results in the Premier League as well have shown that he's, his tactics have now been found out. What Solskjaer has been doing is he's kind of introduced this more flamboyant, free-flowing, counter-attacking side without really getting rid of the park-the-bus football that Mourinho instituted. I think what Mourinho had done has been built up over a couple of years, and it's not going to take, you know, 5, 10, 15 games to get rid of. It's going to need a preseason and maybe some ingoing, outgoing uh, transfers so that Solskjaer can build a squad with its own identity. So I, I do agree there. Not sure about the rumors, though. Um, they are just rumors at the end of the day. And whether or not they are true, you do back this group of players to to come out of it, to come out the other side and maybe get that Europa League spot at the end of the season and come out of this this slump right now, as it were. There's not a whole lot of time left, but uh, if anybody can do it, they can. Screw it. Fire them all. Do it, Chelsea. <laughs> everybody. Just get rid of everybody. Like, fire even the water boy. Just get rid of everybody. Except um, the keeper. You keep yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but not 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 De Gea. Keep the backup keeper. And I'm reading on Twitter that Juventus have bought a fax machine. Interesting. Anyways. Oh wow. <laughs> In preparation for the David De Gea or Paul Pogba transfer. No, no. I think I think what it is is it's um, the league is just so old and refuses to kind of move forwards <laughs> a little bit. So that's how they no. have to communicate with the other teams. No way. How dare you say the league is old-fashioned and incompetent? <laughs> the Italian league? No. We do not endorse these views, which are 100% true. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, look, if I can piss off Japan, i got to go to the next country, all right? Right. We're just, right. We're just going down the list. Uh, moving on to Spurs beating City 1-0. Peter, take us away on that one. Well, other than it being a huge result uh, at home in the Champions League, on paper, it looked like a very even match. But if you watch the match, City did kind of control the match. I think that uh, Harry Kane going down—that's a huge injury, and it's going to be—it's going to be painful for the rest of the season because chances are he's out for the rest of the season. He does have a little bit of ligament damage in his ankle. We know that ankle always gives him problems, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the second leg. I think that City's going to come out, and they're going to need to push. They're going to need to win. Um, the way that Liverpool's playing in the league—they need—they need something. They need something. If, if they crash out the quarterfinals in the Champions League and they don't win the league, big questions are going to be asked about Pep Guardiola, I think. 100%. Um, so what, what was it on the night that City failed to do, aside from, you know, score and win and all the rest of it? What, what, where were they falling down? <laughs> yeah, where, where, where did they go wrong except for winning? <laughs> <laughs> but that's how well, we have to talk I mean, about City, right? We expect them to win everything. Lori scored, uh, saved a penalty. 
which was huge. Um, you know, after all the questions being asked about Hugo Lloris, he's kept three sheets on the trot. So that's pretty good. Questions you asked uh, yourself, by the way. And I still, I still think that they're going to go after a keeper in the off season mm. or in the transfer window. Um, I think they need to. It's to a point where he's a good goalkeeper, but he's making too many issues that are leading to drop points. Uh, you know, one one penalty save does not make a keeper. Let's put it that 100%, way. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, when you when you look at it, he's saved for the last three penalties that have come up against him. He saved them. That's an impressive. He could save as many penalties stat. as he wants. But I mean, during open play, if you're bobbling the ball and not committing well, then just your box, foul him more often. <laughs> like there, we, that's <laughs> his strategy. If he's able to save the penalties and not a free flowing ball, he's just got to go for that card every time. <laughs> of course, of course. But in this match, it was a lot of city possession, not a lot of city final third attacking. Um, so they didn't have as many shots on net as Spurs did. Uh, so they didn't force. Lloris into those saves, playing devil's advocate for Tottenham. If City comes out and can actually have shots on net and create those chances and be threatening like they are in the Premier League, Spurs are going to be in for a little bit of a tr- a little bit of an issue coming that second leg. Well, but, yeah, they there was there was just in that first that leg alone, thirteen to ten total shots and four to two shots on target. So like it was. City was just not having a good time with with getting shots on target, and I I think. I think you guys got lucky with the Champions League curse, especially because in the back of his mind, there's no way Liverpool wasn't just sitting there. Last year's game against Liverpool, there's no way that wasn't just like there and eating away at him. So Mm. I think that might have been it. You're going to find out exactly what it's going to be like when you play him in in regular league play. I think you're going to see what you're going to get in the second leg. Yeah, it's. I know Pep Guardiola came out after the game and said, you know, Spurs were a long ball team. They were playing long ball. They weren't. They weren't playing possession. But each team plays in a different way against different squads. But also, you can't so, exactly play through the middle against City. It's hard. Of course, they not. have. They of have course the, not. They have the best midfield in in the league, and it's not even close. Exactly. And at the end of the day, what did Spurs come away with? They came away with a one nil victory. They put the ball so in it, the back of the net because it was round. Exactly. If it's going to win us the game, I don't care if you play long ball. I don't care if you pop the ball up the field every single chance you get and have Son run onto it or have Eric Lamella run onto it. Mm. I don't care who it needs to be who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. If we can come away with a 1-0 victory or even a 0-0 draw for the return leg, I'm happy with it. Semifinals is semifinals. Now, you do have two more games against City, one in the league, one in the Champions League. Yes. You do have the advantage going into the Champions League, but there's also real possibility for you to boost your top four chances if you beat them in the league. How are they going to play it? How are you going to prioritize the league? Are you going to prioritize the Champions League or do both and just exhaust the squad? You've already lost Harry Kane to injury. Um, do you risk another starting 11 player going down to injury or do you rotate? No, I think you need to put your, your strongest 11 out in the Champions League. This is your chance to make it through to the quarter or the semifinals. That's a lot more money coming into the club. And realistically, with the teams that are left in the Champions League, Liverpool is going to be focusing on the league. As much as they want to win the Champions mm. League, they're going to be focusing on the league because all Liverpool supporters want to win the league. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I heard, I heard a, a statistic from a different... <clears throat> different reporter and that it was 98.95% of Liverpool would, would rather win the league. Oh yeah, we we 100% would. Like we've won it five times. We know what it's like. We've had that. And we've had a great time in the Champions League, but if it came down to one or the other, obviously we'd like both, but realistically I don't know if this Liverpool team is good enough to beat Champions League Ronaldo. I don't know if this team is good enough to beat Barcelona if that's what happens in the semi-finals. I think we could definitely take Manchester United, but uh, the semis don't look easy for Liverpool. And if we crash out there, we crash out there. We we've had a good campaign, no hard feelings, um, and that will leave our squad ready for the Champions League. And we're just wondering if there's a legal way to help Tottenham perhaps boost their performance against City in the league. Does anyone have any um, ideas? Like. Yeah, a lot of coffee, maybe some Red Bull. Oh no, you have to get no. <laughs> Manchester City has to eat lasagna. 
That's right. That's right. Yes, send them over some lasagna. Yeah, say yeah. <laughs> as a, like as like a, a, a you know a good gesture. Send them over some lasagna. But you'd have to make it like super nutritious and stuff because they're on very strict diets, right? So well, well, Tottenham, Tottenham had a really good experience with that lasagna before, right? So mm. let's just get the same mm. chef. Maybe we can put some MSG in it. There you go. Slow them down a little bit. MSG is delicious. Okay, <laughs> it is delicious. It absolutely is. Big Pharma hit us up with that sponsor. Thank you. Anyways, <laughs> it's, it's starting eleven. Sponsored by Monsanto. Oh God! <laughs> All right, that's going to be it for part one of our uh, English Premier League team roundup. Coming up in part two, we're going to be talking about this week's English Premier League fixtures, including Watford versus Arsenal, United versus West Ham, Spurs versus Huddersfield, Liverpool versus Chelsea. What a game that was! All that and more coming right up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Hey everyone, if you've liked what you've heard so far, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review to let us know what you think about the show. We would also love to hear from you, so please, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, please send them our way over at the thestartingxipodcast at gmail.com. That's the thestartingxipodcast at gmail.com. For more general abuse, be sure to at us and follow us over at xipodcast on Twitter. Now, let's get back to it. And welcome back to part two of the Starting Eleven podcast, the show for lovers of good talk or something. We are, yeah. <laughs> and I and mine was bad. Mine yeah, was the bad no, one. Yeah, mine. Yours is a much better slogan than mine. God, I'm not going to do slogans anymore. It doesn't suit me. Anyways, <laughs> it doesn't. Your we, slogan is saying fake things. That's your slogan. <laughs> yes, that's true. I don't know if this classifies as good talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, hey, at least I was just going on the the, the slogan part. Mm-hmm. He's just slagging on <laughs> us entirely, which well, is look, fair. It's it's better talk now that Justin's not with us. So, anyways, nice. yeah, that's true. I do feel <laughs> more. I do feel more at peace. The alcohol oh tastes so you guys, much better. You guys didn't even hesitate. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, you're gonna listen Justin. to this and be like, guys, I thought you missed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry that this is how you have to find out. Also, you're adopted. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> Anyways, let's move it on. We are continuing with our English Premier League roundup for the Starting Eleven podcast. And now we're going to be talking about the English Premier League with the fixtures that have just come by for Game Week 33 slash 34 for some teams. First on the agenda, which literally just finished about an hour ago. Watford versus Arsenal. Arsenal scraping oh. by with a mistake from Ben Forster, kicking it straight from he had the ball he had a back pass from one of his defenders and the resulting goal and clearance didn't clear it went straight into the backside of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and ricocheted into the goal and (laughs) then Troy Deeney was sent off uh, right away like basically right away and now the one thing is too is I kind of battled with it I was like does that that really count as like an Aubameyang goal because you know it was a mistake but he got up there and he got up there quick like that was that was using that pace that he has to just the absolute most extent to get up there and get in his way. Like, y- you, he couldn't have got that ball off fast enough, and that was about to be taken right out of his legs if he didn't try and hoof it. So I will absolutely give that to Aubameyang and say that's 100% his goal. It didn't help that Dini got sent off right afterwards, which is no reason why we shouldn't have two goals at least. But I mean, I think Ben Forster perhaps just misjudged how much time he had on the ball because... That's that's the reason why, and I'm, I'm going to say this now, and this is coming from such a, a massive Arsenal lover, I, that's the reason why he's got so many goals. It's not because of his finishing. It's because he can outpace everybody. Like, well, speed kills, right? He's so, got the fastest, I mean, he's got the, on, on FIFA, I don't know if it's still the case, but I think he has the fastest rating on FIFA for can speed. You, can you imagine... The team talk for the Watford coach. So, lads, we're going to play a 4 3 3. We're going to have Dini up in the middle. Try not to get sent off. We'll have uh, <laughs> Decore at the back, just bringing the ball from the defense into Dini's path. Um, but I want to quickly point out here Pierre Amakrabamiang, team of the season, uh, FIFA card. He'll be playing like this. He has a 99 pace. We've got to watch half of that. Yeah, it might be something you need to you know write up on the old chalkboard. Oh, that, yeah, 99 <laughs> pace. Yeah, maybe we should. But he, we should but he has 85 shooting. Early. He has 85 shooting. And we just got to watch it. Only 85. Only 85. So it's nothing really to worry about. <laughs> but he's going to be one of those pace abusers. He's going to be holding that right trigger the whole way. On whole game. Yeah. You play the whole game. Yeah. I literally know people who picked Dortmund when we used to play, and they don't they don't watch football, and they only know him because of his pace. Yep. And they were so upset when we got into the match, and they went, 
where the hell's Obama Yang? I'm like, oh, he's on my team now. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> not going to play as Dortmund the whole way. And I'm like, they're a good team. They're like, I don't know anybody here. I just passed it to Obama Yang and held the right trigger. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, this is going to be an easy game. So just talking about going back to the game in a more serious note now, they break the away hoodoo spell, Arsenal. They finally have a win on the road, um, or at least they have a little bit more now. And they kept a clean sheet, which I think was the biggest problem. Two. We were. There was two. There was two curses. Two, two curses. Cur- two curses. Right there, knocked right out of the way. Oh, my God. But was it convincing, though? <clears throat> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm so terrified for the rest of this season. This, so, is, this has done nothing to help me at all. But it, just on stats alone, 19 shots and six were on target. So, I mean, it, like seven of those shots were blocked. So it's, it, it's giving me that hope in that we're getting them off. It's not like we're not... Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way I get off anymore. And it's just Watford. (laughs) Like I just, we needed, we needed this win one because the table, like that's clear, but we needed it because it was that clean sheet problem that really helps the, the away goal issue that you can, you know, that was eating on them and confidence is massive with players. And if, if they can hopefully put this behind them, if you're willing to, you know, I'm going to push, I'm going to make some runs. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a little bit different. Maybe, maybe that'll help us out in the next couple of games because this is this is the do or die. These next four games are do or die for us. Well, there are there are some positives, positives to take away from this game. I mean, the clean sheet is definitely, I think, the biggest one because you guys were, what was it, like 26 scored and 21 conceded or something like that? Or no, it was the other way around. Uh, more conceded than scored. Shoring up the back, I think, is Arsenal's biggest problem, just generally home and away. To see them get out a clean sheet away, that must give you some reassurance that things might not be as bad as we thought they were going to be, right, Andre? It does. It really does give you kind of that confidence, and you need that with these guys coming up at the end of the season. Because before, you know, last year, two years ago, it was kind of like, oh, well, we're not getting in, we're not getting this. You kind of shut it off, shut the season down. Everybody was kind of doing their little race, and we kind of shut down. This one is, is so important because it's the new manager, because it's our chance to get in the top four, mm-hmm. you know, possibly with, with getting in the third place. It's our way to sort of get that money, get our systems in there. This is this is incredibly important. And this is, I think, the most important for Unai Emery because he's going to need this. If he doesn't get this, he's going to lose all faith. We, like, we all know how well, you know, we loved Wenger at the end. You know, Arsenal TV will have a field day with him if we don't get these spaces. All right, let's move on to uh, Spurs 4-0 versus Huddersfield. Seemed like a fairly routine uh, win against bottom place Huddersfield, who now have 14 points. I think we missed a win somewhere in there, or a couple of uh, draws, I forget which. But they're they're long gone. They're, they're not really in contention for anything other than getting their boots and jerseys ready for the championship. Goals by Victor Wanayama on the 24th minute. Lucas Moura with his first ever hat-trick for Spurs, scoring at the 27th, 87th, and 93rd minute respectively 70% possession 22 shots five on target comfortable win eh Peter Uh, I mean there's not much to say about it it was a game without Harry Kane but it was also a game against a team that whose fate has already been settled Um, stop it they're already dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically you know the team's already going down they they've kind of been a bit of an embarrassment this whole season Um, and then to lose 4-0 you know, granted, it's against a team that's in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They're top three side. There's not really much to say about it. The only thing you can say is that Lucas Moura had a very good game. Yeah, um, it, Lucas. It's, this is encouraging for Spurs now. You know, losing Harry Kane, but then you get Lucas Moura scoring a hat trick. He's now up to ten for the Premier League this season. Do you think that he's someone that Spurs should look to for uh, a Harry Kane-less side against Manchester City in two days' time? Uh, I think they're going to have to. They they really don't really have many other options. So you're not going to put Fernando Llorente up top. Um, Eric Lamella is spotty at best, and he's almost a walking red card when he plays, <laughs> especially in big matches. So um, you know, I, I feel like you have to play Lucas Mora. The, the hat trick is going to help him. So it's going to help him with a little bit of confidence coming into City. So I feel like he can create a little bit of trouble for the City backline there. Um, so it, sh- it should be should be good for him. Um, I, w- I just want to shout out Musa Sissoko. Oh, yeah. This is probably like the 
biggest like ashes to glory Phoenix in a way. Right. Um, story of the Premier League so far. Because really, when we bought him from Newcastle, everyone was like, okay, cool. Musa Sissoko, he's a, he's a, a player d- he's play a dude. wide. He's a dude. He's a dude, yeah. He, he At that point, he was a French international, and then he kind of fell out of favor with the French national squad, fell out of favor in Spurs. And you were really wondering, why did we spend money on this mm. guy? I remember uh, that. Most been people able- were just like, what's he good for? He only seems to be motivated in bursts. Like, he'll be super motivated for the French national team, but then he won't move, he won't run at all and track back on defense for Spurs. Well, exactly. And now he's become you know, a, a great box-to-box midfielder. He's powerful, he's quick, and as much as his touch does leave a little bit to be desired, he's been a great fill-in for our midfield, and realistically, we're actually lucky to have him. So, in that game, uh, Spurs played a 3-4-1-2. Uh, Vertonghen, Jason, uh, Jason Foyth, Jeremy Foyth? Juan. Juan Foyth. Wow. Messed that up real real bad. <laughs> so we have Foyth, uh, Davison Sanchez, Vertonghen in the back. Kyle Walker-Peters and Ben Davies as wingbacks. Uh, Sissoko, Wanyanami in the midfield. Eriksson in the hole. Urente and Lucas up top. You can't really... I mean, that's a, that's a very good formation. I don't know if that's the right formation to play against City, but one thing's for certain is Lucas has to start. And Son has to start. So do you keep this formation, you sub in Llorente for Son, or do you revert to a more traditional 4-2-3-1 approach, which Spurs have been playing all season, and take your chances with Llorente on front and and Son and Moore on the wings? Uh, I think that there are a lot of substitutions and a lot of changes that need to be made to that lineup. I think, realistically, they're going to play with that sort of lineup, but obviously there's going to be personnel shifts. We played a, a lesser strength squad against the Huddersfield mm. Town uh, squad. So realistically, you're going to see Juan Foyth come out and Alder Weidel come in uh, because that's just, let's, let's be right, honest, right. that's the uh, smart move. Wanyama and Sissoko in the middle, I'm not too sure about. I don't feel like they have the tracking ability to keep pace with the midfielders, the center midfielders uh, of City. So you may see Harry Winks, maybe, if he's fit, coming in to play in that center midfield spot. Mm. But yeah, Lorente is going to be coming out. You need to start Son. Uh, I think Danny Rose gets back into the squad. Yeah. Uh, and probably Kieran Trippier. It, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they line up, uh, Andre, because if they do go through 3 4 one, two, one of the big disadvantages of 3-4-1-2 or any kind of three-of-the-back formation is that good wingers can find that space between the wing-back and the and the centre-back and exploit that. And City generally play quite wide with Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling with Aguero or Gabriel Jesus down the middle. So with this last game that City just played with that 3-1 win against Cardiff, we saw Kevin De Bruyne return to full form, two assists on the day, and that, that beautiful... P- defense spitting pass to put uh, Sterling in for the first. Now, do you think it would be best for Spurs to revert to a four-of-the-back formation just to prevent Kevin De Bruyne from completely carving open that that uh, that Spurs side? Or should they give themselves the attacking power that a 3-5-2 would give them? I think because they're going to be, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they'll be playing at the Etihad. I, I'm, yes, I'm going to say that they should be going attacking. Because if they can keep them on their their sort of back foot, especially by getting a goal in the away goal rule, I think that's going to be such a nightmare for them. And it's going to kind of cause them to crumble and then maybe switch, depending on how the first half goes, to the 3-4-1-2 or to something similar to, like, again, a 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1. Depends on who they start, right? Because Sun hasn't been... Sun's been benched quite a few times, I've found, over the past couple games. He did play the last two, but then he was benched until the 87th minute mm. this game. So 
I think it's going to be who you put up front, but I think they should go for attacking first and catch them because no matter how defensive you go, eventually one of the city players will make their way through. That's true. That's just guaranteed. So if you can at least get that goal up or keep them on the the worried about counterattacks or offensive, that's going to be your safest bet. I wouldn't I wouldn't focus too much on trying to defend against City because as you said, those wingers will find their space even with that fourth back. Now maybe if they could if they could get more of a diamond shape so they could get the the midfielders to maybe track back a bit better, that might be nicer. But I mean that that's going to be what Pochettino does. I, I will have to see on that one. I'm kind of excited. I want to see what his starting bench is because with those with those players gone, he's he doesn't have a ton here, and he's making really odd choices. Like he's you know the 74th minute is the first substitution. That's that's odd. Yeah, it is a bit odd, but I think there was a little bit of game management going on for Pochettino. I mean, this too, like he's definitely thinking about keeping certain players fresh for the doubleheader against uh, City, both in the league and the Champions League. But Kane's absence, I think, could be a blessing in disguise. I agree with you. I think they should go full out attack because you put Son and Moore up front. That's pace that City's defense really can't live with. They're very good at marking singular target men like Harry Kane. Like they, they have that positional play worked out. But historically, Guardiola teams don't deal well against pace. That's one of the reasons why Liverpool have consistently gotten the better of them. Is because we do on the counter attack as well. On the counter attack, yeah, because generally we have we have two world class wingers, both who are technical, tricky, and fast. And City just don't have the people to kind of deal with that. I mean, you kind of do have John Stones, who 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 is quite a fast defender, but the fullbacks are usually spread too wide. And good technical, tricky, fast players on the ball are very, very hard to defend against. So, you know, usually you in most teams there's only one, right? You have Gerard Delefeo for Watford, you have Wilfried Zaha for Crystal Palace, but with Spurs you have Hyunmin Song and Lucas Moura. That's that's and a tall gonna, order. And you have to use them. And that's but and, and I know you're saying keep them fresh because that was kind of one of my thoughts, but uh, what I don't understand is Lucas Moura started the game mm. and there were two goals up to nail at the 27th minute like I know that they want to keep certain players fresh but you are gassing out your other ones so then perhaps perhaps uh, Pochettino has a has a view in mind to use more as an impact sub when the legs get a bit tired assuming of course that they're still in the game right like you don't want like the 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 horrible case scenario the worst case scenario would be for Spurs to be 2-0 down and then you're looking to Mora for that kind of that kind of like spark that energy mm-hmm. and i'm not particularly sure he's that kind of player what do you think peter i think he is that kind of player if you do pump the ball forward he will chase it he'll chase pretty much anything um and that's kind of what's endeared him to the but, can, but can he create something out of nothing from a losing position i think that's what i was kind of saying trying to get at i think so i think if you give him the space as the game starts to open up mm. and the space starts to be more apparent. I think that Lucas Moore will be able to find the space and attack it. Uh, but really, he's going to need Christian Eriksen on his game yeah. in order to play those types of balls to him and find him in space. Um, and also having sort of the two-pronged attack of having Moore on one side and Son on the other will kind of create a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> A little bit of a dance here. Well, the stage is certainly set for uh, Pochettino to perhaps do a complete number on City or not. Uh, I personally be hoping that he will, and I hope he does it in the league rather than the Champions League because I'm actually more scared of playing Tottenham in the final than I am playing against City because we know what City's weaknesses are and we have a better record against them. But against Tottenham, it's always sort of squeaky bum and it's squeaky bum time when we play Tottenham in any competition so for that reason I'm hoping that uh Spurs do the do the business in the league rather than Champions League but speaking of Liverpool let's go on to the marquee match of the weekend by far Liverpool 2 Chelsea nil and my god after a whole weekend of memes from people like Andre, although I don't think it was... No, you did say a few. You did send a few Slippy G messages in the chat. Um, oh, yeah. A, <laughs> oh, yeah. A, yeah, a, yeah, a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Andre being doing his part for uh, modern toxic football culture there and uh, <laughs> the entirety of Twitter having a field day with... How did the, you know what my girlfriend used to call me? 
And the entirety of Twitter having, uh, you know, in, in fine form with their Slippy G memes and whatnot. It was really nice to see that uh, Liverpool put that all to bed and... Uh, Especially for two reasons. Number one, the build-up to this game was a little bit marred by Chelsea supporters calling Salah a bomber uh, in yet another <laughs> bigotry, racism fueled incident involving Chelsea fans. The water is wet, death, taxes, and Chelsea pe- supporters being racist. Um, and then for him to shut them up in perhaps, I think it's fair to say, a real goal of the season contender. That was a wonder strike. So like, he picks up the ball from the outside right channel, comes back to the inside right channel and just blasts it into the top corner from, what, 30, 35 yards out or something like that. It he, was... He picked... The ball didn't spin. Like, he knuckle It was a knuckleball, yeah. And it was... It just straight through and just smashed the back of it. Like, that was... I, again... I make my slippy jokes all I want, but that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And heir apparent to Slippy G, Jordan Henderson, also having a really good night. Um, In the last few games, uh, Klopp has elected to hold, put put Fabinho and install Fabinho as the permanent DM. So now Jordan Henderson can get back to what he's best at, which is a box-to-box midfielder of the uh, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard ilk. Like he is, he was everywhere. There's been a lot of jokes about Jordan Henderson that he's, uh, he only passes sideways and he did pass sideways today or during that game, and it led to a gold. So uh, a double F you to all those people and the Twitterverse and everybody on Reddit and all of you. So <laughs> a really a really good game for Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea were neither here nor there. They started Hazard again in a false nine formation, and they've been doing that a lot against top teams, but it doesn't really work out because I just don't think Chelsea's midfield is good enough to have Hazard as a, as a false nine. I think he was doing everything by himself a bit too much. It's almost like Hazard is doing his best to do everything because he's inte- he's he's tracking back, he's going forwards, he's making a lot of runs. It's it's he's trying to do like a messy, and he's just not in the position to do that. Like he's just not set there. It takes that whole fronting attack right out of it. And with Hudson Adoy and William there, William's got great pace and he will get the ball up there, but he couldn't find the back of the net if you put the net over top of the ball. Like it was just. It's just not going to happen. And then Adoy, while he's been fantastic for the national team, he just doesn't get that same level I find with Chelsea or just maybe the same link up because he's, he's doing a lot of runs, but he's just not, I just don't find he's making a, a big enough impact. So mm-hmm. I have to agree with you. Like Hazard's just not, he shouldn't be there right now, like in my opinion. Hazard doesn't care. He's going to Real Madrid. Everyone already <laughs> knows that. It's a foregone conclusion. To him, he's just, he's, he's, just playing for himself. I think that's all. He doesn't. He yeah. doesn't care how Chelsea finishes because he's going to have Champions League football next year, anyways. He doesn't care if they finish sixth. Yeah, I like, think. I think. I think one of the things about Hazard is is he has always kind of played for himself. He was always even on the left wing. He's kind of there to cause trouble and to create havoc. He's a he's a winger for God's sake, right? He's doing his job, but as a front man. As that false knight, a false knight has to be able to bring other people into play, particularly the wingers, Willian and Hudson-Odoi. I don't think Hudson-Odoi had a very good positioning, but I also think that uh, Andy Robertson did a magnificent job, as always, just shutting that channel down. Willian was having a little bit more joy with Trent Alexander-Arnold because Trent's usually halfway up the pitch, but uh, Hazard couldn't find him, and I don't think any of the midfield could find him because what Hazard was doing, he was ju- he was drifting between the inside left, the inside right. He was at one point outside left, and and he's always trying to do too much too soon, just by himself. He's not trying to hold the play up a bit too much. He's not looking to spread the ball. I don't think he has enough trust in his uh, teammates for, you know, with Hudson Odoi uh, perhaps being a little bit green uh, in terms of footballing maturity. And then Willian, who just hasn't had the best of seasons. You know, I don't think he was the right man for the job that that uh, that game. He's He's, again, because he's playing for himself, all he wants to do is just try and score goals and win a Puskas. That's all he wants. It's not about the team to him anymore. He's collecting a paycheck until the summer transfer window that he's gone. Just hearing somebody say, I want to collect a Puskas is just the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought what they did is they just went through the highlights on YouTube and were like, ah, that looks fine. And then they just give it to that person. 
Going back to yeah. the game, though, Liverpool's style of play has changed a lot this season. They're definitely scoring a lot less generally over the course of the Premier League. And Klopp talked about that as much because he did say, you know, you, you like you can go out all out and you can score 100 goals and that's fine, but you give up something when you do that. And in the case of Liverpool, that was defensive stability. And if I had a choice between the two, I would take this because, you know, we've got how many points is it? 86 points now? 85 points, sorry. And, 85, yeah. And we haven't even, like, Leicester won the league with 81. We have 85 and we still might not win it. Like, this is this is a Liverpool side this is so dominant, so unprecedentedly good that it takes an out-of-this-world Manchester City to match it or and eventually probably beat it. I'm very happy with the way that the football has panned out. Even though Salah isn't scoring 40 goals, 50 goals a season, that was always going to be unrealistic anyways. He's helping the team more. He has an amazing number of assists. He links up well with the front three. And this Liverpool team are next level because of the chain in tactics to be a much more all-round unit that's both good in defence <laughs> and attack. Like I said... Unit. Unit. No, if you look at, if you look at the... Uh, so menacing. Absolute <laughs> unit. <laughs> if you look at the golden boot winners from years past, scoring, at least for the top scorers, is down this year, mm. um, which would lead you to believe that, you know, all these scorers are having or all these forwards are having an off season. when really I think um, maybe just... Maybe the defending's gotten better. I don't know what you can really put it down to, but the, it's, it is a no. It is a very weird year in terms of of goal scored. I think because a lot of people just haven't seen the playtime, except for sorry, except for um, Salah. Salah Salah is the exception because Salah has just had a, a an oddly low one. But Aubameyang doesn't get so much playtime all the time. Aguero did have his injury, like you said. Kane's basically out. Sadio Mane, like he he was out for a while. Um, and it, all of these guys who are in that contention for the Golden Boot just seem to have like less playtime in the year than maybe they had the previous year. And uh, for Liverpool scorers, they both, like both Salah and Mane, both had periods of bad form. Like Mane, the first half of the season, wasn't perhaps the player that we thought he was. Like after he basically kept Liverpool in the Champions League final, he kind of went into a bit of a shell a little bit. I think he was trying a little bit too hard. Salah as well was definitely feeling the pressure of suddenly being Egypt's hero and with the World Cup and then with all these deals. Like, I think the celebrity started to perhaps affect Salah. Like, he started becoming this larger-than-life figure in and around the club and in and around his world too. So I think all of that came to a head and started affecting him, and then he had that 10-game goal drought. But now it's all coming to a head. Well, just one final thing before we wrap up this podcast is just talk about this title run in now. Liverpool have passed arguably their biggest test, which was Chelsea at home. Now they have perhaps the easiest run in of, of all the top six teams. So their remaining games are excluding the Champions League, of course Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, Wolves at home. You have to. It's pretty easy. That's, that, aside from Wolves at home, I'd say that's a pretty favorable fixture list. Whereas Manchester City. Still have Tottenham. Whereas Manchester City still have Tottenham. They have United straight away afterwards, midweek too. And then they have Burnley away, should be fine. Leicester at home, should be fine. Brighton away, should be fine. Tottenham and Manchester City back to back within four days of each other. Now remember though, remember then Leicester, won, Leicester won in, in December. Yeah, they're so. a wild card. They are a wild card, but they are going to be away to Manchester City. They're going to be, uh, City will be at home. So you Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to play to an empty stadium, though. Mm. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because it's true. It's, <laughs> like, it's funny because it hurts. It's, like yeah. it, it's not so, even my team. And so, it hurts. Peter, what do you think? Do you think uh, City are going to drop points? Do you think they should drop points? Or do you think they're going to continue this, this winning form all the way to the end? To be honest, I think that they don't want Liverpool to win the league. I feel like they're okay with Spurs as much as they're okay. They're okay with Spurs beating them in the Champions League um, because it is the quarterfinals. And then they would still have to have, you know, three more matches in order to win the Champions League. Whereas if they stop Liverpool from winning the league, and even if Liverpool does win the Champions League, it's better for the entire league, I hate to say it, for City to win the league and Liverpool to win the Champions League. Wow, I could not disagree then, with you more. <laughs> yeah, we said that. We said that the last week, and we'll, we're going to double down with Peter on this one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be it would be even better if 
both Liverpool and Man City were just able to drop points and one of the other teams were able to just skip up ahead and then both lose in the Champions League. But that's that's just a, that's a dream world. Yeah, they both lose four straight and Spurs win the league. And also for some reason, <laughs> uh, for some reason, there's this hidden metric for the FA every year that Unai Emery wins best hairstyle and that's an automatic 10 point boost to Arsenal. So then they win the league. Well, that's it. It's the, I it's mean, the, it's I the backwards. Not. It's the backwards league. The yes. fifth position wins. Oh, right, right, of course. Yeah, but yeah, look, it's opposite I, day. What was that? Huddersfield won the league? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it's golf scores. Imagine imagine if somebody screwed up. Like It, it was like their first day, and they're, they had to send the trophy because this was going to possibly be a deciding game, and it ends up at the Huddersfield game because they figured, they looked at the <laughs> they list bring wrong. It out somebody the game. printed off an Excel sheet but accidentally printed it off in reverse. They're like, oh, okay. All right. So one thing we do have to think about is City. What do City want? I think they want to win the Champions League more than they want to lead, win the league because they've done that already. Whereas Sheikh Mansour is like, that's the final trophy that he's missing, right? They've won the domestic cups. They won the FA Cup. They won the Carabao Cup. They've, they've won the league. They haven't won the Champions League. I think they have to think of the run for the Champions League. Realistically, if they get through, who, who are they going to play? They're going to play Juventus or Ajax. Or is it Liverpool or Porto? Well, they they would win. They would face the winners of Ajax versus Juventus. So, realistically, if you let's hypothetically say you play Ajax in the semifinals, you're trying to focus on the league at the same time. It's going to be really hard to get through that, and then you still have to go to a final. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of travel. Whereas, I think if they if they focus on the league, they could win the league deject Liverpool supporters at the same time. Mm, that's the important thing. That's, that's bigger, I think, than winning the Champions League. Well, I, uh, like I said, I couldn't disagree with you more, but in the interest of, you know, retaining our friendship, what remains of it, <laughs> uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, thank you boys for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed this new format where we kind of went in a little bit deeper into each team and talked a, bit, a little bit more about the teams uh, more than we did before. I have been your host, Chengiz Khan, and uh, with me today has been Peter Robinson. Support local football. And Andre Mick uh, Arsenal Degenerate Ray. <laughs> Gorgeous podcast, minus Chengiz for the beautiful game. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I guess I had that coming. Justin Barr will be back on hosting duties, back to restore the sanity and order of the Starting 11 podcast because clearly I've lost control. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.